0: This is the Bartholomew Town Podcast.
1: All right, so on the heels of some significant legislation that was passed and signed into law by Governor McKee with respect to housing and sort of following up on, look, the work surrounding the housing crisis as a whole, and, and that includes some of the work that we've done here on the Bartholomew Town Podcast, um, we're going to start to resume, uh, I don't want to say a sort of a post-mortem on this session, but... Um, just an overall assessment of where we're at when it comes to housing right now. There are some significant things happening, whether you're talking about the unhoused or if you're talking about the lack of inventory and regulations surrounding short-term rentals, uh, zoning at the municipal level. There are a lot of things that are happening. I got a press release, um, I guess it was last week, from the Housing Network and Homes R.I. And the Housing Network of Rhode Island and Homes R.I., which are a multi-sector housing advocacy coalition, are pleased to see the General Assembly's continued emphasis on housing reflected in key legislative initiatives and the fiscal year 24 budget. The governor signing 13 bills that were championed by House Speaker Shikarchi. You may remember his appearance just a couple of months ago during our housing focus uh, on this stuff. So joining us this morning are Melina Lodge and Katie West, each of whom are right in the thick of this fight, if you will. Uh, Thank you so much for your time. And first and foremost, your reactions, each of you, to the uh, 13 pieces of legislation signed into law by Governor McKee.
2: Yeah, I'll start. Um, I think these are really excellent first steps towards what will hopefully be um, a significant amount of time that we spend as a state talking about housing and planning uh, our way out of this crisis and ensuring that we are able to be more proactive in the future. I think a lot of what's happening right now is reactive to an environment. Um, and if we're really able to turn the tides on that, I think we'll be in a space where we can better anticipate what the housing needs of people will be in the future and and eliminate some of the um, unhoused problems that we're seeing as a result of that um, lack of product, um, proactiveness.
1: And Katie, your reaction to the 13 bills, just on a very 36,000 foot. Sure,
2: I would echo Molina's
0: comments in in terms of this being a really great a great start, Um, and of course coming. Um, this is the second session where we saw major legislation pertaining to housing initiatives and advancing housing, both in in the budget and in legislation. So we're really pleased to see uh, state lawmakers focusing their emphasis on that and in recognizing the severity of the housing crisis and how it's impacting Rhode Islanders of of different stripes. So um, we're. We're excited to kind of keep keep our sleeves rolled up and and continue to do the work in partnership with uh, with many, many folks uh, on the ground.
1: Among the 13 bills that were signed into law and uh, some of which you highlighted in your press release, one that allows for the adaptive reuse of certain commercial structures like factories, hospitals, offices, malls and schools, into high-density residential developments. This kind of goes both ways. Number one, you take, let's say, an, an old church or an old mall or something like that. Um, and, I mean, old mall, how many of those are there right now? But even strip malls. And there's a there's kind of two ways to look at this. One would be from the standpoint of, like, let's redevelop it, make it super modern, make it super appealing to an upper-middle class renter or perhaps even purchaser. Another way is to take this stuff and make it into more of a creative space. There's a real lack of creative um, spaces for artists and people like that. When you champion that, Bill, where do you see this going or is it sort of in both directions?
2: I think it's in all the directions, right? I think we're talking about housing, obviously within the network and Homes RI. our predominant focuses on those populations with the least amount of resources, right? And we want to make sure that those folks aren't left behind and forgotten in the conversation of building housing, which is very easy to build for higher income populations. Um, but I think, you know, when you look at the demographics of Rhode Island, uh, those those people who are most in need are a significant portion of the population, and if folks um, are unhappy with the homeless numbers that we're seeing now in the unhoused population, uh, if we don't take a proactive strategy, those numbers will only continue to grow. People cannot, you know, afford housing. There, this isn't a matter of. Uh, doing more as an individual. It's just a a real gap between what people's income is and what the cost of housing is. But I don't think we can exclude the conversation to say, we don't need spaces for um, more middle income households, right? Even right now, if you're earning somewhere around 75 to $80,000 a year, you can barely afford to rent a two bedroom apartment. I don't know that anybody would consider, you know, a household making $75,000 a year a low income household so I think it's really figuring out how do we provide opportunity across an entire continuum so that we can also free up opportunities for people who might be occupying um as an example like if you've got a unit right now where the rent is twelve hundred dollars but you want to move up there's no place to move really to without moving to like three or four thousand dollars creating that middle space would free up this lower um lower um, rent units. So I think there's a lot of opportunity within this, particularly in a state where um, we're small and we don't have infinite development opportunities. So utilizing buildings that have become not obsolete necessarily, but the use of that building has become obsolete due to changing uh, either demographics, right? We're seeing a lot of school-age children. Loss of population in some communities. The way people um, purchase goods, um, right? We we don't need as many um, office spaces or as many retail stores anymore. If people have moved more to um, a remote or you know online purchasing space, so I think it's really trying to take advantage of the infrastructure that already exists. And, and how can we adapt that to where we are as a society now? And right now, we need housing units. Yeah. Um, so this, to me, seems like a really excellent use of those buildings.
1: Yeah, really, no, no doubt about it. Another aspect of this uh, package that you've highlighted is the creating of a transit-oriented development pilot program. In some, this would mean, let's we're talking public transit, so building housing near where buses are, or you could look at it from the other direction. Putting buses where housing is. This expands beyond buses as well in the public transit sector. I suppose you could even argue that with rail expanding a little bit in Rhode Island, in particular the Pawtucket Central Falls stop, that's relevant. Um, where does that? Why is that a priority?
2: I mean, I think it's a space to connect people to. Uh, I mean, besides cultural. Um, and social opportunity, um, but to economic opportunity. And, you know, when we talk about um, people being more financially independent or financially stable, that means that they need access to be able to get to higher employ- higher paying employment opportunities. And for some folks, um, you know, in a sector where they're working, maybe owning a vehicle isn't practical or feasible based on their income. Or uh, if they're living in a space where Parking is not overly abundant, right? Not everybody has a garage that can hold two cars or a driveway that will hold three cars. So um, sometimes vehicles are just a logistical barrier. Um, and we're also moving as a, a coastal coastal state. We are moving to um, better climate resiliency and um, keeping um, you know the environment forefront. So I think moving into a space of how can we better support public transit is a way to combine really two value propositions that the state um is articulating articulating is important right like how do we make sure rhode island is climate resilient uh but do we need places for people to live if it makes sense to have those things married together
1: no question streamlining and clarifying the permitting application and appeal process for housing development so Look, you want to build a house in Rhode Island, there's a lot of factors. I mean, you're going to look at, if, you, if you're talking rural communities, there's only so much space in a rural context and in an urban context and suburban context, frankly. All aspects of the state right now, there's a struggle to find uh, a pathway to development. How, in your mind, does this law now help with the development process for, quite frankly, just building more housing?
2: Yeah. I mean, Rhode Island is ranked last in um, housing starts, right? The number of housing units that we're able to build were were last in the country. Um, And a lot of that is because we have a lot of process and because, you know, each municipality uh, and even within municipalities, different zones or different areas of a town will have different requirements. And development is a risk right it's requiring this developer nonprofit or for profit it's a speculative process and so developers need some level of certainty that they can understand what is expected of them what the requirements are that they're going to need to produce and what their outcome can look like um so i think really clearing up a lot of the sort of ambiguity um, and really making clear what that process looks like, what is the standard that municipalities um, need to adhere to is an important piece. In the cases with the SHAB, the State Housing Appeals Board, you know, when, when it, a developer is denied, really being able to have a timely resolution to this appeals process is critical to moving that along. And uh, don't quote me 100%, but I want to say, um, you know, the average time in, in the shab is over a year um, to get resolution. It's supposed to be an expedited process. I don't know right. that I would consider that ex, you know, expedited in any way.
0: Yeah,
1: it certainly isn't. So we have these 13 pieces of, of uh, legislation passed into law, signed into law, I should say. And there's some significant stuff beyond those, which we just highlighted right there. Of course, that that brings up the question of what's next. So I'll ask you, each of you, starting with Katie, as you look at the work that's been done in the General Assembly this year, signed into law by Governor McKee, what are the gaps? What do we need to look for in 2024?
0: Yeah, well, I I, I think taking even beyond going into 2024. So again, just echoing like this is good progress, um, but given the given the past 30 years and and more um, of. Under investment in the housing sector and just under under development, we know um, we need to build our way out of this. Or we, but but we also need to balance that with policies that help keep people stably housed um, and in existing homes that that are made safe and and continue to be affordable for people to live and have a high quality of life. Um so when looking at what where we can build on the package I think Molina will speak more to the development and production um aspects but continuing to to look at what our investments are a significant portion of the housing investments in that were authorized in the budget come from state fiscal recovery funds which were part of COVID relief dollars which have an expenditure period ending in 2026 so looking beyond yes. That and and the state has, um, you know, we have a dedicated funding stream now through the real estate conveyance tax, the FY twenty four budget approved a state uh, low income housing tax credit. These are really good and necessary investments. But looking at what comes next to supplement the ongoing costs to build and develop. Uh, long-term affordable homes in this state Um, so that's more of a broad beyond it's certainly for 2024 but even beyond that and then I would also say on the on the policy side continuing to look at ways to balance um, and support both homeowners and renters one of the successes that we highlighted in our release it are some I asked uh, some bills that pass that will help renters. And that is nationally a trend we're seeing as people um, are maybe in positions where they're renting longer than they might want to because they're unable to afford to purchase a home. They don't have the capital home, how, uh, homes for sale with uh, the pricing is very high right now. So continuing to, to strengthen protections for renters and balancing that with uh, how we support and scaffold people into home homeownership. Um, so I'll stop there
1: all very good stuff to highlight right there of course we could go on for like i don't know six years talking about what we really need to do here every day we could we could have a podcast but uh um, Melina, what is what's your big takeaway in terms of looking to the future immediate future in terms of what is still not covered by this broad package of of bills that were passed and signed into law
2: yeah um i don't know that i've identified any real specific gaps other than that there are still gaps but i what i what i think is an important component for us is to not um lose sight of really digging into what we've already done too right it's not like a box you check and then you just move on right we did the thing and we're done with that like i think there is an evaluative component that we need to be keeping at the forefront of our minds so that we're looking at the legislation that we've passed over the last two years? What have the impacts of those pieces of legislation been? Do we need to pivot? Did they yield the outcomes we wanted? Are there unintended consequences? So really doing um, and treating legislation like a living thing that we are constantly evolving because people and needs are constantly evolving. There are opportunities as Katie's already mentioned, right? Nobody would have ever expected we would have had these type of dollars Um, But COVID made that happen, and when those are gone, we need to be planning for how can the state or can the state supplant that level of funding, right? When you raise the bar, people have a very different level of expectation about where you're at. What will that cliff effect look like? So I think I would, as excited as I am to tackle new things, I think I'm trying to also be mindful of how do we make sure that we really implement the things that we've done well and make sure those are working before we add new shiny things to the mix. I think um, a lot of this is time will tell, right? We'll be able to see within a couple of years Um, on the land use reform, you know, did zoning reform actually increase development? Well, what types of development? With whom, for whom, where, right? And being able to see, do we need to bring other resources to the table to support greater infrastructure in urban communities? Or do we, excuse me, need to bring infrastructure to rural? So I think really looking at what we've done, we're always gonna have gaps in every system, right? Not just housing and education and workforce development. There's always gonna be things we can't tackle, but I think making sure that we go deep and wide at the same time is really an important strategy for legislators, um, not just always pursuing you know, the next thing that's at the top and making sure we're doing a really good job of what we've already um, invested our sort of treasure and, and talents into.
1: Alina Lodge, also Katie West, Housing Network of Rhode Island. Thanks so much for your time this morning. Let's keep in touch because this is something that we're not going to be, put it this way, we're going to be working on this one for a while. And uh, we'll certainly be doing another housing forum. I can announce that now. Um, that, well, I shouldn't say forum, but week-long series where we basically put stakeholders uh, in the forefront and just tackle the issue. Um, so I look forward to doing that and hopefully including each of you in that as we move forward. Into Thank the fall. you.
0: Great. Super.